house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start out in the book of Amos, uh, probably where you've all been studying this week, and, uh, but uh, uh, I'm going to give you a scripture there. Most of us aren't in the book of Amos, but uh, uh, the word of the Lord today is the power of agreement. And if, if you get a hold of this and never let go of it, it will change your life forever. God has already defeated the devil. He's defeated powers and principalities, and he's given us the victory. And we, we, that victory is our coming into agreement with him in everything that we do. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you healed. God wants your mind renewed. God wants to take care of you just like a parent takes care of a child. And if you understand how to come into agreement, it'll change your life forever. Before we get in there, let's make our confession. Almost forgot about this confession because this is the truth of what God feels about you and what you have. So let's all say it on the count of three. One, two, three. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen to that? That is the word of God. And the other confession we used to make, I still make it. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. And really, we're talking today about living what we already have. And that when we come into agreement with God, the power of God is there. Pam and I, when we first got married... We had uh, six children between us, three and three. We had the Brady Bunch, and we put them all together. And uh, we, we decided that Pam and I went to uh, Florida for our honeymoon, and, and then we came back, got the kids, and we went to uh, uh, Colorado. Some people gave us a, a cabin and big elk meadows to have for about 10 days. We thought, this is great. we got the Brady Bunch now. We're going to bond together. We're going to put uh, three children ages I think they were 8, 10, 12, 11, 12, 34. Anyway, there was just a bunch of them. And uh, they were just all in the teenage, coming into the teenage years. And so we go up into this mountain cabin. And uh, there's, uh, there is electricity, but there's no television, no telephones, um, not much of anything, really. I thought it was great. This is bonding time. Kids thought they had died and not gone to heaven. Uh, it, was, it was an interesting bonding experience. Uh, the first two or three days did not go well at all. Fourth and fifth weren't really hot, but it, they got better. And then uh, the longer we were there, the better off we were. And it began to, to, to work out and, and begin to come together. But one of the things that Pam and I decided in the very beginning, and, and I was a little slow at this, but is that it was important for her and I always to be in agreement. And if you're here and you're married, make sure you and your husband, your wife, are always in agreement. You may not be in agreement at the same time, but don't move forward until the two of you are in agreement. 
And once you do that, there is a power force that goes into effect that is like nothing on this earth. It is the power of God when you're plugged in together to God to get that agreement. Now, you may be here and you may be single and you say, well, I don't have a mate. Well, it's easier for you to plug in. <laughs> it's easier for you because all you got to do is get into agreement with God. Sometimes when there are two people, you see things a little bit differently, but God only has one answer. So everybody say, God has one answer. And if you, if you understand this, say, it is really quite simple. God defeated the devil. He defeated powers and principalities, gave us the victory, and then said, I'm going to show you how to live in that victory. And if you plug in and get into agreement with me, you will be blessed. You will always be blessed. And my blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Amos 3.3 is an interesting uh, uh, book in the Bible. Many people gloss over it, don't read it. It's really talking, most of the book is talking about what God's going to do to, to his children, the nation of Israel, uh, because they have really turned their back on him and they've not followed him. And, and he's really upset with him and he sends the prophet Amos to tell them and give them a chance to get their act together. And one of the most famous scriptures in that Bible is Amos 3.3 and, and it's in that uh, book. And, and it says, how can two walk together lest they be in agreement. In other words, he's saying to his people, you can't walk together with me and have my blessings and have everything that I want you to have unless you're in agreement with me. Folks, that's where the world is living today. The world is in turmoil. This country is in turmoil. You know, sometimes we start, we start to think that, well, we, you know, we're okay because it seems like the economy's okay. The economy's not an indicator of, how, of everything being okay. What would be okay is if we're following the precepts of Almighty God. And we've got a long way to go in this nation. And, and what we've got to do is come into agreement with God in every area of our life. God, when you plug into God, and, and get in agreement with God, all of the resources of God are there for you. We say this scripture a lot. You all know it. I repeat it a lot. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That means if you're plugged in to agreement with God, all of the blessings of God are yours. And when God shows you what to do, everything that you have need of to do, what he's shown you to do is yours. But what we've got to do is make sure we know that we are in agreement with God. And for many of us, we have a tendency to open our mouths and express our opinion and tell everybody or myself or, or my wife or somebody else and that we quick to open our mouth and tell people what we think. How many of you are quick to open your mouth and tell people what you think? Can I see all of your hands? Now, what happens for all of us, that happens to me from time to time also, what happens is you're short-circuiting the power of God. You don't know that quickly what God has to say about that situation. To become in agreement, Pam was in the first service, so it's a lot easier for me to use her sitting here, but this is Pam right here. If, if I want to know and come into agreement with what Pam feels in her heart, I have to ask Pam. And then if I'm in agreement with that, we got a great flow going. And if not, we're going to sit it there for a while and wait a while because we're not going to do anything and make any decisions if we're dis in disagreement. Uh, I've learned that the hard way over the years. She's learned that the hard way in our marriage. We're not doing anything unless we're in agreement. 
And so what happens is it's the same thing with God. When you're facing a situation or a circumstance, you've got to ask God, God, what is your will in this situation? God will never not tell you. Everybody says, I'll never forget this. This is so important. God will never not tell you what he wants you to know. Never. He will never. Let's just say, God will never not tell me what he wants me to know. And if you understand that and get a revelation of that, that he will always tell you what he wants you to know. Now, sometimes we ask him for something else when he's already told us what we know. In other words, we know what God told us, and God is not going to tell us something different. He already knows that we know what he told us. Can you say amen to that? Reminds me of a funny story. I told this years ago, and it didn't go over very big. I told it in the first service, it went over big, so promise that you'll laugh at this. But anyway, it, 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 uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland shared it, and I thought it was hilarious. He does a great job sharing stories like this, jokes like this. But he was talking about the things of God and how that you know you, you know what God's put in you. You don't need to, somebody to tell you. You really know. What you just need to do is act on it and come into agreement with God. And this husband and wife, went into this store, and they had a parrot. And the parrot was sitting near the front door, and and as they walked by the parrot, the guy looked at the parrot, and the parrot said, You are one ugly, ugly, ugly dude. And the guy looked at him and shook his head, and he walked on by, and he looked back at the parrot again, and, and the parrot said, You are ugly, man. You are really ugly. And so the guy said to his wife, did you hear what that parrot said? He said, yeah, I can't believe it. So he got the manager, and the manager came over and said, that parrot told me how ugly I am. He said, he is the darndest parrot. I just can't do anything with him. He just says whatever he thinks. And uh, he said, well, I don't like that. So the manager went over to the parrot, and he said, if you keep talking like that, I'm going to take you in the back room, and I'm going to put a cloth over you, and you're you're not going to be able to come out. I'm going to leave you in the back room. You can't talk like that to my customers. And so the the parrot just dropped his head, and so the guy went on shopping, but he kept looking at this parrot, and the parrot would look at the guy, and so finally when the guy got ready to leave, he started to walk out the door, and and he looked over at the parrot, and the parrot looked up, and he said, you know, (laughs) that's not... Now, Copeland did a lot better job of that. But, but you know what God has spoken to you. You know what you're supposed to be doing when you're hearing from God and when you're plugged in and you come into that agreement. All of the resources of God are available to us when we're doing what God has called us to do. And Dan read the scripture earlier, but it's in John chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, He shared it at the offering time. But this is, is so powerful. Jesus said that after the spirit of truth has come, or the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that God will reveal to you all of those things pertaining to your life and the things to come. He will show you your decisions to make. He will show you what to do. And then he will take all of his provisions and make them available to you. And that you, it's so powerful, you will have everything that Jesus had available to you. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine. He will declare it to you. And everything that you have need of to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose in your life will be made available to you. Jesus said 
in the book of John that he came to do the will of the Father. John 5.19, John 5.30, and that he only did what he saw the Father do. He only did what God showed him to do, and that that was his judgment and the things that he was called to do on this earth. You and I, when we are plugged in to the power of the Holy Spirit and have that agreement, we can accomplish everything that God has told us to accomplish on this earth. It's so important as individuals, it's so important as a husband and wife, and the, that the first thing that we always do become preconditioned through self-control and self-discipline to ask God, God, what is your will in this situation so we can plug in? If you're not plugged in to agreement with God, then you very easily can be in disagreement with God and you don't even know it. In other words, you are, you are disagreeing with what God is showing you to do because you haven't listened to do what God showed you to do. So the disagreement comes in and then you've got a serious problem because what happens in all of our lives is if we're not walking in agreement with God then to what God has shown us, then we are walking in disagreement with God. And when we walk in disagreement with God, we have opened the door to the devil into our life. And a lot of people don't understand this, but the devil is truly free to walk about this earth as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. Who can he destroy? He can destroy anyone who has set themselves against doing what God has called them to do because that person becomes a person who is more interested in fulfilling self-will versus the will of God. It happened to the nation of Israel. The reason they went into bondage, the reason they went into the uh, desert for 40 years was because they would not do what God told them to do. It's happened to nations of the world. It's happened to uh, ministries. It's, happened all, all, it's happening all over the world today when people set them, their heart against doing what, and having the spirit of, of unity with God and the spirit of agreement when God shows us what to do and we don't do it. And that's why this message is so important because God will supply every need that you have if you're doing what God has called you to do. You see, there's never been, if you look at, at the Bible from start to finish, there has never been a time when the people of God didn't prosper when they did what God said. There was always prosperity. And when you look at the new covenant, the new covenant talks about the blessings of God coming upon us and overtaking us. It talks about the windows of heaven opening in the old covenant. It talks about God supplying all of our needs. It talks about us being that steadfast, immovable person, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It says all of the needs that we have will come upon us. It says that we can do all things. All of that is meaning if we're plugged into what God has called us to do, then we will be blessed. I don't know how many of you ever served in the military, but in the military, when you receive orders, you expect to have everything provided for you that your orders pertain to you say. Uh, if the orders say, you know, I, I remember years ago, I got my orders to go to Hawaii. 
and when I got my orders to go to Hawaii, I was stationed in San Diego, and there was a different uniform that you wore in San Diego versus the climate of Hawaii. And so you go to you go get all different clothes, and you get all different type of things, and you get a different weapon when you get to Hawaii, and all these types of things. Everything that that you have need of is supplied once you get your order, if you follow your orders. Everybody say if. You follow your orders. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a very important if. Every supply is there. Matter of fact, you take your orders and you go to the supply uh, uh, depot and you say, here are my orders and this is where I'm going. Now this is what I need. I need $3,000 to get there. Uh, this is my per diem that I need. Uh, this is the advanced salary that I need. This is the uniform that I need. These are the weapons that I will need or will not need. And you just hand that down to them, your orders, and you expect every single thing that you have need of to be available to you. Folks, I believe that is exactly the way God set this up. That if we do what God tells us to do, we can expect for every need to be met. But the key is plugging into the agreement with God. This is what you have called me to do. And I want to give you an example in the Bible because I know that in my life, sometimes I can become emotionally charged and I can open my mouth and say things without asking God, God, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to handle this situation? And almost inevitably, when I do that, I pay a price for that later on. Can I see the hands of all the people? You, need, you know somebody like that that sometimes pays a price later on because they open their mouth without consulting God, so therefore you have no agreement with God. But what we do is we understand that I need to know what God wants me to know about every situation and then I will be blessed by God. I want you all to say this. I am, am. handpicked by, hand by God to do great and mighty exploits. How many of you believe that? You, you, we're all called to be, do different things, but we're called to be successful. We're called to rise to the top. And I want to tell you the story in 1 Samuel about, uh, about King Saul because I believe this is a story of life. The children of God wanted a king. They had not had a king up until this point in time. They wanted a king like other nations had. They wanted to be like other nations. Folks, you and I should not want to be like anybody else but who God has called us to be. We don't blend into society. We are a peculiar people. Let's say, I am peculiar. (laughs) We are a peculiar people. But they wanted to blend in with all of society, and they wanted a king. And God finally said, I'll give you a king, but it's it's going to be to your detriment. It's not a good thing. He told them that. You're not going to like this, but I'll give you a king. And he told them through Samuel, and, and, and he picked out, God himself picked out Saul. Of all of the people on the face of the earth, God picked Saul. Saul was one of the most handsome people. He's described in the Bible as one of the most handsome people around. He was taller than anyone else. He commanded, he had a commanding presence whenever he walked into a room. And God anointed Saul through Samuel to be king. And he gave him instructions. And he said, you will, you know, I'm paraphrasing all of it, but you'll win your battles. You will be a successful king if you do what I've called you to do. Folks, 
you will be successful if you do what God's called you to do. If you're plugged into the power of agreement, then God is obligated to supply every need that you have and make you successful by yielding to him. And so Samuel is all set, to, or Saul is all set to be king. But then he's supposed to not do something, and I'm just paraphrasing, getting up to the main point. He didn't do something that he was supposed to do, and Samuel came, and he said, hey, Samuel, you're doing this all wrong. Can I see the hands of all the people that you've done a lot of things wrong for God? In other words, I thought this is the right thing to do, but it turned out to be the wrong thing. Now, the reason is because you didn't consult God and get the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's not a put-down. That's just something we should learn. Let's all say, I should learn. So God doesn't need our help. He needs our obedience. Matter of fact, let's say this. God doesn't need my help. He needs my obedience. So if you want to be obedient, you say, God, what is your will? So Saul uh, stumbled two or three times out of the block as king. And then he got kind of, you know, kind of... puffed up a little bit because uh, he was winning battles and God was, was really helping Saul, but Saul wasn't doing what he should be doing. So all of a sudden it comes to the big battle that really cost Saul, and it was the battle against the Amalekites. And that's what you're going to see up there. It's in 1 Samuel, uh, let me see, there it is, 15 verse 22. <clears throat> Saul receives his orders. Now the way this relates to us is that all of you here today have things that God is showing you to do, and you have your orders from God. You're, you're, you're like the parrot uh, when the guy walked out the shore. You know. Everybody say, I know. I Turn know. to your neighbor and say, I know. I know. You don't need me to stand up here and tell you the errors in your life where you're missing it. But if you keep missing it, you're not going to be plugged into agreement with God. You're unplugging from God. Now you're on your own. All of us have been on our own. Maybe God's caused you to, you know, be in this area of your life and he wants you to be very successful and you're trying it and you're moving ahead and then all of a sudden you start making your own decisions instead of continue to be plugging into God and say, God, what is your opinion about this? What do you want me to do? Because once you break that, that yoke, all of the blessings of God are not there for you. So here's Saul. He's in this position of leadership, handpicked by God handpicked by God. And God gives him instructions through Samuel. He says, Saul, I want you to go up there to the Amalekites. But I tell you, if you like gory reading, you, some, of the, some of the stuff in the Old Covenant is really gory. Uh, but he said, I want you to go up there to those Amalekites and that King Agag. He is a crazy, murderous person. I want you to kill all of them. I want to destroy the bloodline. I want you to kill the women, the children. I want you to kill the uh, cattle. I want you to kill every single thing. I want to wipe them off the face of the earth because they will pollute the earth. They will pollute you people. And I want everybody dead. And, And you are anointed to do this all. So Saul goes into battle fully knowing he knows. Everybody say, I know. He knows what to do. So he goes into battle, and they're victorious. They kill a lot of people. But at the last minute, Saul thinks, I think I'll just capture King Agag. Bam, he does that. Now he's starting to disconnect from God. And I don't think I'm going to kill all these animals because some of them look really good. I could use them for uh, uh, different things and a great food for us. So I'm going to start to keep these animals. So now Saul has decided to do it his way. Made sense to him. How many of you have made some decisions based on it made sense only to find out later on it made no sense at all? Been there, done that. Would you say amen to that, Pam? 
<laughs> she, she would say, it made sense at the time. Actually, I don't even know what I was thinking at the time. Matter of fact, I said that one time to my wife. She said something to me. She said, what were you thinking? I said, obviously, nothing. <laughs> Sometimes it would be good to think nothing other than what God says and say, God, what do you think about this? Because that's what I think about this. But Saul, he unplugged from God. And here's the result. So Samuel came on the scene. And basically, before we get into this, Samuel came on the scene and he said, Saul, you did wrong. You did evil. What's wrong with you? And Saul said, no, I didn't. I did exactly what God told me to do. And, and Samuel said, no, you didn't. God said, wipe everybody out. You didn't do that. And then this is Samuel. Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed the voice of God than the fat of rams. Now, verse 23. This is what, this is what God calls what Saul did and what is being done in the world today by a lot of people. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord or the yoking of the power of agreement, he also has rejected you from being king. And then Saul said to Samuel, folks, this is where a lot of people are living their lives today. They're living their life in fear of man, fear of what other people think about them. It's called the pride of life. I don't want anybody to be upset with me. I want the waters to be smooth. I want everything to be okay. And you're not even plugging into God to find out what he wants you to do. And this is what he said. I've sinned and I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a situation in your life where you feel like you know what God is showing you to do, what he wants you to say, but you choke it down because you're concerned about what somebody might think about you? You're concerned about, well, this could cause some repercussions here. Folks, that will cause you to unplug from the power of agreement with God, and it will bring you into, now everybody say, I'll never forget this. If you unplug from agreement with God, what have you plugged into? You have plugged into disagreement from God. And when you plug into disagreement from God, you have plugged in to the devil. And this is what is, is, is happening in many families in, in, around the world today and in many lives today. They wonder, where is God? Why is this happening? And the real problem is in James chapter 3, verse 16. And it's talking about what a self-seeking person, a person who wants to do it their way, what happens. And in James chapter 16, 3, 16, it says that where there is uh, uh, envy and self-seeking exists. This, the, this are people who think for themselves. Well, I think I ought to do this. Well, I think I ought to do that. I, I'm sometimes, not that I do this right all the time. I don't. I try to, but I don't. 
but, but I'm around people and something will happen. They say, well, we ought to do this or we ought to do that. And this is a serious situation. And I think, how can they hear so quickly from God? You can't hear that quickly. When, when you, now, I know this sounds funny, but when your mouth is the first responder and your mouth flies open and you start talking, you have a problem. Your mouth is not your first responder. <laughs> I don't want to ask you to tell your neighbor this, but you might get in trouble because it may be your mate. So let's just say, my mouth is not my first responder. Our first responder is God. What do you think about this? Because where envy and self-seeking exist, there will be confusion and every evil thing. Think about that. Confusion and every evil thing. What happens? The, something happens in your life or the Lord comes to show you something and you decide, well, I'm going to take care of this myself. Nobody does this in the right mind. Nobody says, God, I'll cover this one. You're tired. You just take a rest. I'll make my own decision here. And then you try to get God to do Nobody in the right mind does that. But in our wrong mind, we can make a decision based on self. And when we get into self, we open the door for confusion and every evil work. Every evil work. Everybody say that. You can't even wrap your mind around that. What is every evil work? It's like the wintertime when you go to your front door and say, I think I'll open my front door and freeze my house. You know, all of the cold air is coming in. Everything that's out there is going to come in. It's going to be a, 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 a vacuum that's pulling in there. We actually attract the workings of the devil into our life when we don't do and plug in to a spirit of agreement. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of mankind. God made Adam and Eve, and he made them to be successful, to have victory, and to walk with dominion on this earth over everything that creeped on the face of the earth. God gave man dominion. And he said, there's one assignment I have for you. You can name anything you want and do anything you want because all of your thoughts are going to be pure. But there's one thing that you can't do. You can't partake of the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil because on that day, and I know I'm paraphrasing on that day, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. But on that day, you will break agreement with me. And on that day, when you break agreement with me, you will unplug from my protection and you will plug in to the protection of the devil and he will come in and he will take possession of not only the earth, he'll take possession of you. And he's going to subvert everything that I do, so make sure you stay in agreement with me. And they both perhaps said, doesn't say it in Scripture, but they both perhaps said, yes, sir, we'll do exactly what you say. And then the devil comes. The devil comes to your house. Tell your neighbor, the devil comes to your house. He comes and knocks on the door. And he says, did God say you're going to prosper? Well, he said that, but I don't have any money, so I guess, no, he, I guess it's not going to work. He unplugged from agreement with God. The devil comes and says, here's the sickness and disease report, and you say, well, let me have it. And you say, no, no, you shouldn't be taking it, but you do, and you start to meditate on it, and you break away from agreement with God, and the power of God goes. It all happened in the Garden of Eden. They didn't listen to God. They just were more concerned about being busy with themselves. You know this as well as I do. Most of us think 
without talking to God. We think for ourselves. As a matter of fact, it's stated that, that people think twenty to 30,000 thoughts a day. There's nothing wrong with thinking, but when you make a decision, every decision we make should be what? God, what is your will? What is your plan? What is your purpose for my life? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to raise my kids? How do you want me to spend my money? How do you want me to save my money? How do you want me to run my business? So many times the business starts with God birthing the business and then people get in the way and they start taking over instead of asking God. I thank God for people that have Christian businesses like Truett Cathy who is now in heaven and says Chick-fil-A will always be dedicated to the glory of God. I thank God for the David Green family who says the Hobby Lobby will never be opened on Sunday and this business will always be dedicated to the power of God and we're going to plant money and missions around the world and now they have all sorts of controversy coming upon them because they built the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. But I tell you what, the David Green family and Hobby Lobby will prevail. They will prevail because they are sold out to God. And you and I will prevail too if we're doing what God has called us to do. But there are times when I, I, I know this sounds a little silly, but I know it's true. I see it in people's lives. We become so busy that we forget to ask God what he thinks. In other words, we're busy with technology, we're busy with business, we're busy with all sorts of things. And the very thing that gave us our life, God himself, we don't talk to. And we say, God, what is your will here? What is your will about this investment? What is your will about this handling of my children? What is it? God, how do you want me to do this? And God will never not tell you. That's what John chapter 16 is. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit will tell you how to do everything and how to handle every transaction in your life. Now, you don't have to get all tied up in this. If you're going to go out and buy a shirt, you, you know, you want to buy a blue one or a white one, yeah, if you buy a blue one and God wants you to have a white one, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. But I will tell you this. I believe God cares how you dress. I believe God cares how you look. And every once in a while, I know I'm going to be meddling here, but every once in a while, I'll see people dressing a certain way, ministers sometimes around the country. And I tell my wife, I say, honey, I have to really fight off judging them because I was raised in a church where you wore a sport coat and a tie and you really looked nice coming to church. And now it doesn't look that way. I think that maybe they're talking about how God wants them to dress. Maybe not. But you know what God showed me? It's none of my business. Sometimes there are things that's none of your business. Turn to your neighbor and say, sometimes it's none of your business. It's none of my business how anybody else dresses. And as a matter of fact, I told Pam one time, I said, listen, I saw this guy. He's got 10,000 people in his church and he got holes in his jeans. I said, what about, I'm going to go out and get some bunch of holy jeans and bring, not holy, holy, but you know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to wear them to church. Maybe that will double the attendance. She said, no, I think you'd look like an old man in holy jeans. <laughs> She didn't exactly say it that way, but it was very close to it. <clears throat> Folks, you got to be yourself. Tell your neighbor, you got to be yourself. And yourself is what God tells you because he wants to talk to you. God loves to talk to you. God loves to show you what he wants you to do, not because he wants to command you and tell you, do this, do that, because he loves you and he cares how you dress. He cares how you look. He wants to take care of you, but we've got to plug into that spirit of agreement. Now, in Matthew chapter 26, We'll close here. This also is so applicable to life today. 
It's the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's coming to the end of his time on this earth. He knows the plan. His father showed him the plan. He's going to be crucified on the cross. He's going to die. He's going to bleed. He's going to suffer a horrible death. He's going to descend in and defeat the works of the devil. And he's going to resurrect to sit at the right hand of the Father. He knows all of that. But he's going to leave everybody he loves, his disciples. He's going to leave everything that he was able to accomplish to that point on this earth. And he's in the garden praying. He gets away from everybody and he's praying all by himself. And he says, he says the same thing three times over. All of us can relate to this. That sometimes God will show us things to do and we want to serve God and we want to do what God has called us to do, but part of us really doesn't want to. And Jesus said, Lord, if there's any way, Father, if there's any way that this cup could pass for me, let it pass. In other words, is there another way we can finish this project? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then he said it again. He ends up doing it three times. I can so relate to what Jesus was doing. When Pam and I were first married, and we prayed about what our life was going to be and putting everything together, and I felt like God said, I want you to go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning of your life. And uh, Pam and I got in the car to drive out to Tulsa. And uh, at that time, (laughs) this is how I drove to Tulsa. At that time, I thought our six children would be together and, and go. But my three children uh, said, no, we're not going to Tulsa. They want to stay with their mom. And so Pam and I were going out to Tulsa. And that meant that if God was leading me to Tulsa, that's where you find the meaning of your life, then that's where I had to go. But on the way out there, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to leave my three children. And I remember that when we were out there, um, I was getting ready to put Pam on the plane to fly her back, and then I was going to stay there and find a house. And I don't understand this. I told the first service that gave me a new appreciation for my new sister-in-law, who I thought was a little crazy at the time, but I found out she's fairly discerning. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but apparently she had already told Pam what happened, what was going to happen there. But uh, my plan was I, w- I was going to get in my car. As soon as I put her on that plane, I was going to get in my car and drive home. I was going to abort this mission. Uh, I was not going to stay in Tulsa. Uh, I was going to come back home. And, uh, and Pam very astutely realized that as she and her sister talked and said, we need to find a place. And so we found a house. And the only reason I didn't leave was because we found a house and we signed a lease on it. And I stayed out there. But I did not want to do what God wanted me to do, but I did want to do what God wanted me to do. Does that make sense? I want to do what God said, but my heart is breaking. I don't want to do what you said, God. Is there another way? But I felt like the Lord said, no, this is the way I have for you. And when I look back at my life with my children, this is the word God gave me. If you'll do what I've called you to do, I feel that same thing as I'm driving out there. Was that 40 years ago, 30 years ago? They say when you get old, you cry a lot. I must be getting awfully old. <laughs> but but, but I, it's the same feeling I had then. But I remember God said, if you will do what I've called you to do, I'll take care of your children. 
I got agreement. And I've watched God take care of my kids. I've watched God take care of them. I wasn't a part of it like I would have liked to have been, but God did a better job than I could have done. And sometimes you're facing things like Jesus was facing. When you get alone with God and you say, God, is there another way to do this? If there is, that's what I'd prefer. But then the most important part, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He said it a second time, and then he said it a third time. It must have been awfully heavy on Jesus. It must have been the temptation of this world to say, oh God, if there's another way, let it happen. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Jesus is the great example for us. Nah, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. You'll never be dependent upon people. You'll never be dependent upon anything other than your relationship with God and that spirit of agreement when you say, nevertheless, thy will be done. Let's stand to our feet. There are two things I want to leave you with before we pray. And uh, if, you'll, if you'll let this become a discipline in your life, it'll change your life forever. In every situation that you face, no matter how big, no matter how small, number one, just ask God, God, what is your will in this situation? And then number two, God, your will be done. That's what I'll do. It's really that simple, folks. God, what is your will in this situation? God will never not tell you what he wants you to do. And then to make that declaration, God, your will be done. Would you bow your